Well, well, I hope you had a beautiful Christmas time with family and friends, and Happy New Year to you. Excited uh, for what God has in store for us. I want to uh, talk about something today. I love that we just sang that song, so we're going to think about time and uh, what it has. Before that, uh, many of you in here, some of you in here may know this about me. I'm going to actually guess maybe a bunch in here don't. Uh, I am a big fan of musical theater. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with sports and all that stuff, but I'm a big fan of musicals. I love them. Like, I, I cannot get enough of them. Uh, my parents, who are actually here, uh, they, I think they looked at the trajectory of my brother and I and thought, like, geez, we need to get some culture in these meatheads. Um, so they used to take us to go see musicals down at the local theater in Memphis, the Orpheum. And uh, it started from when I just got hooked for some reason when I was young. And I think it's because, like, musicals, uh, I, I'm not musically gifted in any way. I have no musical talent. Uh, but what they do is, at their best, they take aspects of life that we kind of all intrinsically know and feel, and they just show them in a different way to evoke some emotion in us, and then in turn, it uh, gives us greater insight into life, but even ourselves. So there's this one really popular musical, uh, very successful. I actually don't think it's that good. Like, I don't think the story is really that engaging. It's got a couple of good, um, it's got a couple of good songs, but the story itself is just like, please, I can do without. Uh, but it, it, it did something very different. Uh, it opened the show. The show opens, uh, and if you've seen it, you'll probably catch on. Uh, the main characters are all up on stage, and they pose a question to the audience that then gets played out through the entire show. And the question is essentially something like this. Given that there are 525,600 minutes in a, some of you have seen it, uh, in a calendar year, how do we measure a year? How, how, how should we spend all of those minutes in a year? And I think it's an interesting question for us to ponder today, given that it's the last day of 2023. How should we spend our time looking ahead to 2024? How should we measure our year? We've got opportunity with 2023 moving into our review and with 2024 ahead of us. This is a time that everybody kind of gets refocused and reset. Uh, and I've been having a lot of conversations that have actually really been burdening me when it comes to our time. So many people that I'm talking to, uh, and I've had conversations with, just feel so swallowed up by their calendar. They just feel so burdened with time, and there's just so much going on. We seem busier than ever, and there's just so much kind of anxiety when it comes to our days. And I've been burdened because while there have been kind of several thoughts, I've basically been hearing two solutions to that problem. Uh, one of them is you just grit your teeth and bear it, and look, it just is what it is. Uh, successful people are busy people, and let's just like grind harder, and we'll get to uh, a less busier time on the end of this. We'll eventually get to a time when it's not so busy, and I can then just finally have some peace and comfort. That's one thought. But, but then I've also heard another thought that's just, I'm so stressed, I'm so busy, I'm cutting everything out of my life. Like, I've got no commitments. 2024 is going to look like a bunch of white space on my calendar. I'm not doing nothing. And I can understand that. And honestly, there's aspects of truth in both of those things. The problem is they actually fail in giving us the real satisfaction that we're looking for in this life because they completely take away how does God want me to measure my days? How does 
the creator of everything, the creator of time itself, how does he want me to order my days? I think it's something we need to consider looking ahead to 2024 because we all want that satisfaction for our life that God has called us for. God wants us to give us a life of joy. And so many of us are getting so swallowed up by our calendars. And I think we're moving to things that really don't satisfy us. So we don't need to listen to another podcast on time management. Uh, we don't need to read another book on how to make sure I get the most out of my day. Rather, what I think we need to do is go to some ancient wisdom. And look at the oldest psalm ever recorded. And see, what does it have for us? Because here, this psalm is nothing except for how we should order our days and think about the time that God has given us. Because if we can do that, if we can order our days that God would have for us, we will really have the most fulfilling and satisfying 2024 that we could ever imagine. That first starts off with coming to grips with the fact, hear me, our life is so short. It's so short on this earth. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, turn with me to Psalm 90. This is uh, a psalm. I love the psalms because the psalms themselves actually, um, they do what the best musicals try to do. They are a collection of poems and songs and prayers that take aspects and truths of God and show them in a different way. They're supposed to stir emotion in us that leads us to greater understanding of God, greater understanding of ourselves, and then it leads to action. The, the psalm that we're in today, Psalm 90, the majority of the psalms were written by King David. There's several other psalms that were written by different authors. This is the only one we have that's written by Moses. Uh, we don't know exactly when Moses wrote this. However, more than likely, he wrote this in the period when he is in the wilderness. Uh, that's when he wrote the first five books of the Bible, otherwise known as the Pentateuch. Uh, most likely, he's in the wilderness, and think about it. He's with a bunch of grumbling, complaining people, and they're wandering in circles as they're heading towards the promised land. You want to talk about somebody who's fully aware about wasting time? That's Moses. And he sits down. And he pins this prayer because he's seeing the anxiousness amongst his people. And he's seeing how they're misusing their days. And he writes this prayer and he starts off and he says in verse 1, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We can't start to put time in its proper context until we think about the fact that in the beginning was God. That there is a God of the universe and he created, and he created everything. Genesis 1 starts off, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And he's saying right here that, Lord, we need to be reminded that you exist if you've never, if you are in here and you've never wrestled with the reality that there is a God and he made all of this, it'll change your life. It'll change your life when you start, go dig into how many scientists are now coming to faith in God because they're seeing the truth that this thing didn't happen by just some happy accident, but rather 
we were created by an intelligent being that wove intelligence into the world. Intelligence can't come from non-intelligence. And what he's saying here is, Lord, you have always been, but not only have you not just always been, you've always been our dwelling place. Think about the ram of, think about the massiveness of that statement. They don't have a home at this time that he's writing it. They're wandering in the wilderness. He says, Lord, not only have you always been, but you've always been our dwelling place. When you deal and when you come to grips with the reality that there's a God who made all of this and he made you to then be in relationship with him, it changes everything. It changes how you look at your life, and it therefore then changes how you look at your days and your time. Moses then <clears throat> kind of confronts us with an uncomfortable truth that we don't like talking about, but is a reality that our time will one day end on this earth. He says it right here. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight or as but as yesterday when it's past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that's renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. He's saying, we have to be reminded, our time here is so incredibly short. And Moses uses powerful imagery to evoke some sense of kind of just emotion in us as we read this. Our life, guys, it's like a dream. It's like a flood in water. It's like water in a flood washing away. It's like grass. The Bible, there's many other places in the Bible that would use powerful imagery to kind of pull some sense of emotion to remind us that our life is so incredibly short. James 4 would say that our life is like a mist. Psalm 39 would say our life is like a sigh or the width of my hand. Job 7 would say that uh, our life is like the wind or a weaver's shuttle. Uh, it's like a dream, my favorite. Or it's like, an it's like an eagle swooping on its prey. Our life is like a plant that grows in the morning and it dies in the evening. Our life is so incredibly short and it passes away just like this. That should evoke some sense of humility and a sense of urgency because there's a reality that he's saying right here is one day look, our clock is ticking and one day it will end and it'll be just like this I mean we feel this right I, how many of you in here today just thinking about time did you think wow I can't believe Christmas is almost over like it just happens like this it's 2024 uh, um, okay, I'm going to say this. You're going to roll your eyes. Just going to say it anyways. Like, I'm going to be 34 next year. <laughs> I never thought I'd be 34. I, I'm a dad with two kids, and I hang out with other dads. Like, I hang out with dads. I, I, I never thought that would be the case. It's so many of you are laughing. Somebody at the 8 a.m. was like, yeah, just you wait. 
But that's the point. <laughs> like, that's the point. It, it just feels like this. And that, that's the way our life is. It's so fast. It's moving so fast. And so what he's saying here is we got to take seriously the fact that our life is so short. He doesn't just tell us that it's short. We actually see why it's so short. There's a reason it's short. Go back to the text. He says in verse 7, We're brought to an end by your anger, and by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Our days have finality because of God's judgment. Because of God's judgment. Our days have an end because our time is cursed because of sin. Because sin entered into this world. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying here. This is not God's active judgment that he's just sitting there watching us, waiting for us to mess up and, oh, you should have done this. Bam, strikes you down with lightning. But rather, this is God's righteous decree on sin. <clears throat> Paul would put it like this in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. Moses here, we get the clue. That's what he's talking about from verse 3 when he says, you return man to dust. Because Moses there is quoting and, direct, and directly referencing Genesis 3, 19, which he, which he wrote where God's cursing Adam and he's subsequently cursing all mankind, saying, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So we can say, guys, our lives are unnaturally short because there's sin. We brought that into this. Death was not God's plan. And out of our selfishness, we then brought in death itself. And not just that, we brought in the chaotic nature of this world. That's why Moses says here, he goes on, he says, even, verse 10, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Our life is so short. And hear me, there is nothing that you and I can do that can alleviate any sense of toil and struggle that we will experience on this earth. That's why he's saying, even if you, if you're, if you make it to 70 or if somehow you're super healthy and blessed, you make it to 80, the majority of it, you're still going to experience toil. You're still going to experience trouble. And he says, and then we're soon gone and we fly away like a sigh. That's how short and quick our life is. He closes the stanza and he says, who, in verse 11, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? He's saying here, who, who thinks like this? Who actually takes seriously the fact that our life is so short. And not only that, but that what we do with it matters. Like what we do with our time will one day be judged 
by a holy God. We get that because he says that in verse 8, where he says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Hear me. One day, all of our actions, all of our passing thoughts, we we will place them in front of God and we will give an account for them. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that, I mean, like, I feel it even now. That puts, like, a weight on me that, like, I can barely handle to think about the fact that God will one day look upon me and say, what did you do with the time that I gave you in everything that I do, in everything that I think, in everything that I say, I will be judged for it. Now, you might be sitting there saying, geez, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. You just told me I'm anxious about time. Now I'm supposed to, you just told me I'm about to die soon. Oh, and everything that I ever do is going to get judged one day. Thanks, thanks, Jordan. But that, that's true. And that's real. That's why the writer in Ecclesiastes, he says uh, in Ecclesiastes 7-2, he says, It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. That is a reality. And for us to have any shot at trying to order our days, we've got to come to grips with that. But thankfully, we have a merciful God who doesn't just leave us wandering in the darkness but actually gives us a way where we don't have to live with that anxiety of wondering what to do. He then makes a way, and he says, how do you order your days? Start by seeking my wisdom. Let's go back to the text. In verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So see, what he's saying here, as we start to think about the fact that our days really are numbered, we start to gain wisdom because we're getting insight into reality. And so he's saying here, teach us, God. God, help us. Help us to do something with that, Lord, because I can't do it on my own. That's what you see here. Then in verse 13, Moses, the psalm now turns, and Moses says, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. The first half, all of this, 1 through 12, it's just Moses repeating truth after truth. Lord, you have been forever. You've also been our dwelling place. You are holy and good, and we one day will have to stand before you, and you will put us to an end by your wrath and anger. So do something, God, because we can't do it on our own. Would you do something? The rest of these psalms, now the rest of these verses They're pleased to God because we need God's help. We need his help. We need him to help us order our days so that we can get wisdom. And thank God above that he gave us his word. We don't have to just look up in the clouds and wonder, are you there, God? He pierced through reality and said, I'm here and you can know me, and you can follow me, and I'll teach you the path to a real satisfying life, and that's just starting here. Here. You want to know what I'm like? Get into this thing. 
It's so powerful. God's word, when we start seeking his wisdom in our life, changes everything. To give you a little glimpse of that, there was a study done by a, a group of uh, some uh, social scientists, and uh, they did this study of 400,000 people, and they just asked them to read the Bible every day. Some took it seriously, some didn't. And then they looked at their life after they did this for about a year. It's a powerful study called The, the Power of Four. And what they found was fascinating. What they found was actually for the people who read their Bible uh, one to three times a week, there actually wasn't much life change as if you didn't read it at all. It really didn't make that much difference in your life. But everything changes on day four. They found profound life change happening for people who read their Bible or listened to their Bible four times or more a week. They found stuff like this, that people were 60% less likely to get drunk if you read the Bible or listen to the Bible just four days a week. That you were 70% less likely to have sex outside of your marriage. That you were 65% less likely to view pornography. That you were 75% less likely to gamble. They also found that people who read their Bible just four days a week were 407% more likely to memorize Scripture were 228% more likely to share their faith with others, and they were 300% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Just simply spending time seeking God's wisdom. This book is powerful, and it can change our lives when we start seeking his wisdom and ordering our days to get more of his wisdom. But not only do we just get this more powerful knowledge of him, he actually satisfies every longing of our soul. Verse 14, Moses says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we've seen evil. We can now achieve satisfaction and satisfying lives in the middle of toil and trouble for however long we have because of God. Because God himself, being a merciful God, looked upon us and said, there's nothing that you and I can do. No matter how hard we try, we can't ever order our days enough to fully follow him. So he sent his son Jesus to fully satisfy his wrath. God sent Jesus, and Jesus himself ordered his days perfectly. And Jesus himself ordered his time perfectly. Every moment he had on this universe, he spent it following God perfectly. So now, because the fact that he himself bore our penalties for all the times that you and I have wasted our days, all the times that you and I have had errant thoughts that are not of God, he bore that righteous wrath on the cross so, and actually gave us his credited righteousness. So one day, you and I now, we don't have to feel anxiety when we look ahead because there's not future condemnation for us. We will stand before God one day and he will look upon our time and he'll say, well done, 
good and faithful servant. Not because of what we did, but because Jesus himself satisfied God's wrath. So I can live, we can live life with peace and fulfillment by just simply seeking his wisdom. And he satisfies us. He satisfies all the longings we have in our heart. He satisfies all the desires of our life. Can't you just hear it in Moses? He's looking out at his people and he's saying, gosh, Lord, I've seen you do mighty works. He's literally feeding them manna every day. In fact, he's giving them more than they actually even need, and they're still complaining. It wasn't that long ago. God led them out. God toppled the Egyptian empire. Go read history. That just in itself is wild. He toppled the Egyptian empire, and he led these people. They walked through water. And it's not that much longer they're like, geez, this is terrible. Take us back. We'd rather be slaves. He's looking out at his people and he's saying, oh, we're missing it. So satisfy us. Satisfy. I love that song. Satisfy me in the morning before I forget how good you are, God. Because I'm like that. And so he's saying here, he's pleading, God, satisfy us before we forget how good you are, God. When God does that, as he just spent, as we spend time with him and our souls are satisfied, what he starts doing is he starts taking the fog and he just starts pulling it away so that we can get a better glimpse of how he wants us to live. And I get it. Like, I get the world is offering so much right now that it's so easy to, get, to just lose sight on the fact that God really is the only one who can satisfy us. I mean, think about it. There's always another book to read. There's another movie you got to watch. There's another series that you got to go binge. Oh, and you're a parent, you got to read this book. Oh, you read that book? No, if you really want to be a good parent, you got to read this book. You got to listen to this podcast. Oh, and by the way, your kid better join this team because if you don't, he doesn't, he doesn't, we won't get a scholarship one day. Then he'll be a loser amongst his friends. Oh, and you're, the, how old now? Oh, you better make sure you better start dating soon. Oh, and by the way, you need to give your money to this and you need to be a part of this club and you need to go here and you need to go, I mean, I get it. Oh, and also, by the way, there's this new catastrophic event that's happening on the horizon. Oh, and what do you think of this culturally impactful thing that just happened now? You better have an opinion on it right now. There's so, I mean, just saying all that, like, made anxiety in me. There's so much in the world that's causing us that what happens is we go, okay, it's so loud, I get it. And so then we start pulling away from the things that actually satisfy us. Oh, man, we got life group tonight. Oh, man, I just, I am so busy. Work was terrible. I'm just going to tell them I can't make it tonight. Ah, we're just going to cancel. I can't do it. Man, I know, I know I need to read my Bible, but boy, I got to bed late. I just need to sleep. And, and we're missing the fact that, like, God gave us a group of people to do community with so that you can go, you know what? I didn't, read, I didn't read anything. Work was terrible. And they go, oh, tell us about it. How can we pray for you? What happens is we just get adjusted to the world and we start just getting pulled and suckered in by the world and we leave behind the things that really satisfy us. And so when we spend time with him and his word and we sit with the Lord, he just starts pulling through that fog and we can get a better picture 
on what does it look like to do the things that God would want us to do and focus on his priorities and his purposes. And that actually leads me to a more fulfilling life. Moses goes on now and he says, okay, Lord, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Moses is continuing with his plea and he's looking out and he's saying, okay, Lord, we're, we're messing up. We're failing. And, and not just help us, but help the following generation. Because hear me, how one generation spends their time affects the next generation. I mean, some of you might be in here and you can relate to this. I, I never had this, thankfully. Uh, but some of you, let's say you grew up with parents who... Um, they prioritized their job more than they did a relationship with you. That, that affects you. And, and there's something that's happening now uh, with my generation and the generation down because we're looking at it and we've seen all these institutions that just promise us all these things topple amongst themselves. And it's like, it really is almost like the emperor has no clothes. And we're seeing all that and going, wait, I don't want that. And so really, my generation and the generation down is starting to do something where we're not going to do anything. We're going to have zero commitments. I'm not going to be members to anything. I'm not going to give myself to anything because you're trying to take something from me. I've seen how you're, you've just basically just drained the previous generation dry. I ain't getting in on that. There was a fascinating article that put it, uh, that, that kind of thought in my generation, the following generation, and they put it like this. <clears throat> for, uh, they put it like this. To be serious today is to be cringe. To be ambitious is to be a tryhard. Requesting promises and commitment from another person is perceived as exerting pressure. The greatest sin today is to, is to set high standards for oneself and to passionately strive towards greatness. Our, our student minister, Jermaine, he talks about this a lot. He says, try to like set a firm schedule with a student. And they're like, ah, hold on. He knows he's like going to meet up with them. But they're like, well, I'm not going to put that in stone. Because again, what is that? That's, that's exerting pressure. But I get it. And so there's this thought now that, no, I'm not going to try anything. Really, it's just, it's like Generation X nihilistic worldview that's just been now taken up a notch. It's just, I'm going to be detached from everything and have no commitments. But that also is not what God would call us to do. See, God has said, I've now saved you, and now I'm calling you out to live out my purposes for your life. That's why Moses here in verse 17 says, let the favor of the Lord God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So God does not want us to just spend 24-7 locked in a room doing nothing. And that, look at the life of Jesus. I mean, Jesus just didn't spend all of his day just in his room reading the Torah. He had moments of solitude. He had moments of silence. But he also, he went to parties. He played with children. Hear me. There is no one in here who is as busy as Jesus. Everywhere he went, thousands of people followed him. He is healing people. He's casting out demons. He's serving people. He pushed himself to the point, just wrap your mind around this, to the point where he was exhausted. He didn't just go, nope, I'm going to do nothing. He got to work. 
And thankfully he did. Because if he hadn't, he would be in trouble. So God is saying, no, 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 don't just go clear white space, but rather just pull back a little bit, seek me, and I'll call you and I'll tell you what to do. So like, I don't, I don't know what 2024 has for you, when, what your calendar should look like. But here's what I do know. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's what I know. In 2024, God already has good works for you and I established. We've just got to be faithful to walk in them. And so if we just go, nope, I'm not going to commit to anything, we're going to miss out on these good works that are there that also bring satisfying, life-giving joy in our hearts and in our lives. Now, you could be hearing this and you go, okay, I get that. All right, man, I'm going to seek the Lord. But like, it's still all kind of, it doesn't really sound prescriptive for me. So just like, what? okay, what am I supposed to do? Give me the things, right? And I don't mean this like flippantly, like I'm not trying to be like cute. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what God would want for you to do. I, I don't. Because you and I are in individual personal relationships with Jesus, and he himself is doing a work in us that leads each and every one of us into his image. We're all at different places in our walks with the Lord. So I don't know what that looks like for you. But what I can say with the utmost confidence in the world, if you spend time with the Lord, he'll reveal it to you. Like, like for some of you, it, it might be, I, I'm just going to commit in 2024 to spending four days a week in my Bible. There's some of us in here today, if that's what you said, I would go, brother, that's, that's setting the bar too low. You've been following the Lord faithfully for 40 years. You need to be at least six. I mean, but some of us might just need to just commit to four days, four days with the Lord in his word. Some of us, it might be, I'm going to commit to praying every night. Some of us, it might be, I'm ready to leave a life, I'm ready to lead a life group. I, God's given me wisdom. And you know what? I want to pass this on. Some of you, it might be, I need to say no to this thing because I now need to say yes to this thing. Like maybe it's, you know what? I don't need to lead an adult life group. I need to go lead a third grade boys life group on a Sunday. Because, I mean, guys, we got young men in our body that need discipling. And he's called us to do that. So maybe it's that. Maybe for some of us, it's uh, instead of that spring break vacation that we take every year to Florida, we're going to instead go on a global trip with 121. But, but maybe also it's, you know what, that spring break trip we take to Florida every year, um, I'm going to not sneak away to get some work done, or I'm not just going to busy our schedule so much. We're going to create time and space to just be with each other. Because you know what, we really need to do that. I don't, I don't know what that is for you, but here's what I do know. If you just spend time with him, he'll put it on your heart. 
he's already revealed that for me in several different areas. And again, I'm in a different place than many of you. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Many of you in here don't. He's got different things that he's putting on my heart for the season that I'm in. And I know this. He's got good works for me in 2024. I've just got to be able to seek him and to just peer it all away and believe what this thing is saying, that actually God is for my good. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he proves that by saying, You want to know I'm for you? You want to know that I can give you life and satisfaction? Look to the cross. Because if I did not spare my own son, I gave you my son. How will I not give you anything you could ever need? Just look to the cross. I just think so many times, so many of us, just like we start off so good, but we think there's no way I could actually memorize scripture. There's no way I can ever actually share my faith. There's no way that if I do this, it's not for me. Like, yeah, that's cool. That's for some other people. That's great, Jordan. You left your career and you became a minister. That's just, God couldn't do that with me. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking that, you are believing a lie from the enemy. I think so many of us actually are like, um, when I think about other musicals, one of my other favorite musicals uh, is Shrek the Musical. I know. It's actually really good. I'm just saying. Um, What's interesting with Shrek the Musical is uh, you see the beginnings of, uh, you see Shrek as a little kid, it's really funny, and you meet his mom and his parents. Uh, and you see how he grew, how he grew up. Uh, there's this, the musical opens up and uh, his parents tell Shrek that you know, there's this big, bright, beautiful world with happiness all around you. And just around the bend, there's a friend or two, but not for you. This is the life of an ogre. And he grows up with that his entire life. And then at one point, there's this scene, uh, and Shrek is with his buddy Donkey, if you know the movie, and they're looking up at the moon, and Donkey just asks him, say, if you could be like, if you could just dream, if you could be anything, what would you be? And, and like, like, in 2024, like, if you could do anything, anything you'd want to do, what would, what would you do? Like, what, what, if God would so meet you, and establish the work of your hands, what, what would you do? And, and Shrek starts to dream, and he says, uh, I'd, be like a, I'd be a Viking, or I'd be a poet, and write a different story, and tale, talking about tales of glory. Uh, I'd be a fisherman, I'd be this, I'd be that. And then he gets to this place in the song, and he, he says, oh, I, I'd be a hero. I, I'd be a hero uh, who would fight dragons, and people would love me. People want to be my friends, and, and I'd have a hero's ending, a perfect happy ending for my life. And it's a powerful song because he pauses, and the, the music fades, and the lights dim. And he says, but that, that's not for me. And I wonder how many of us in here today are thinking, oh, I could actually have a fulfilling marriage I I could actually get rid of this sin problem. I could actually finally understand and deal with some hurt that I have in my life and find real satisfaction and fulfillment. 
no, this is just how it's always supposed to be. And that's a lie from the enemy. And God here is saying, just seek me. I've always been and I'll always be. And I'll satisfy you. And if we can do that every day in 2024, for however long God has for us, he could come back tomorrow. We could be standing here a year from now and go, look what God did. Let me just pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you fully satisfied the righteous wrath of God that, that I deserve. Oh, Lord, would you show us mighty things? You've done that so much in 2023, and I thank you for that. And would you, would you show us and establish the work of our hands in 2024? And may God, you do a powerful work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's spend some time alone.